There's a line in every city that separates the rich from the poor, the strong from the weak, the haves from the have-nots. It's a street, the train tracks, a river, a sidewalk. It's time to cross the line. Serve the City is a global movement of volunteers showing kindness in personal ways to people in need. We are the connection between the good intentions and talents of people who could volunteer and a meaningful opportunity to get involved. Serve the City is for everyone. It's a revolution, a serving revolution. And it's going to change the world. Cross the line, serve the city. This is Serving Stories, a podcast by Serve the City. Hi, I'm your host, Ani Deal, and today I'm here with Carlton Deal, the founder of Serve the City. Hi, Carlton. Hi, Ani. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the theme that was chosen for 2020 by Serve the City International. Yeah, it's uh, the theme is Kindness Starts With Me. And this theme was first used by the Brussels team in the Big Volunteer Week 2019. And then at the International Forum in 2019, which was also in Brussels, we decided to make this a theme for the year. It's the first time we've had a theme for the year. Great. And uh, today in our final podcast of this season, we are going to hear some stories from around the world of how that simple statement, kindness starts with me, has been gaining practical momentum in the unexpected circumstances that 2020 has brought. Qué bonito es saber que siempre estás ahí. So the Serve the City team in Quito sent us this recording. Um, Carlton, would you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, it was made for the Global Volunteer Day, which is the second Saturday of May, so this this year, uh, May 9th. Um, but maybe you could help us with the chorus. I'm, my high school Spanish is not so great. My, my Spanish is pretty good, actually. So, um, yeah, the chorus is um, how beautiful it is to know that you are always there. I want you to know that I will take care of you, how beautiful it is to love and be able to trust, how fortunate I am to have your friendship. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Um, so can you tell me a little bit more about Global Volunteer Day and um, why they made this recording? Yeah, this is the third year that we've had a Global Volunteer Day. And uh, I think the first year we probably had 15 or so cities that participated. And uh, the second year we had maybe 25 and this year 40. And uh, it's growing in, part in particular because of the crisis that we were all facing this year. So we saw new cities um, wanting to do something. And this, in fact, was the first event that, uh, that Quito organized, the Service City Quito team organized. Um, and they really wanted to uh, send a message to the healthcare workers in the city. And they have some partnerships that they're developing with um, some small projects in Quito. And so they wanted to send a personal uh, message of, of love and affection. And I've seen the video. It's, it's one of those videos where you have, you know, different uh, people who are singing and playing instruments and then it all comes together. It's, it's, it's really lovely. That sounds beautiful and like what a gift to their, uh, the health workers in Quito as well. Mm -hmm. um, so what are other cities that the Global Volunteer Day took place in this year? Yeah, we really spanned the globe this year. We had involvement in Australia, um, Asia. For instance, uh, Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, had the first Serve the City event. Our, our friend Govinda led a project in Kathmandu. Uh, many cities in Europe, like Brussels and, and Berlin and, and others, Lisbon. Um, also in Africa, like Addis Ababa, 
Um, and, uh, and also in the U.S., uh, Detroit had a first event in Baltimore. Wow, that's quite a lot of cities. Um, and I am assuming that having so many different uh, cities involved, you probably we probably saw a lot of examples of creative ways that kindness was shown um, during these times. Yeah, we had a call at the end of the day uh, for people to be able to say what they what they did in their city. So it was very dynamic to hear reports from all over the world about kindness expressed um, in this crisis. Well, speaking of one of these uh, people who was involved, we did receive a message from Gary Van Adder, the city leader in Geneva, Switzerland, about what they did for the Global Volunteer Day. This is Gary from Serve the City, Geneva. We have sort of an interesting story to tell in as much as we ran across some chefs that were looking to help serve the unfortunate of the city. Uh, however, we needed uh, food and a place to cook, obviously. So we uh, managed to find local distributors that were having trouble getting rid of their produce. And then we found that they, we ran across some butchers and, and meat stores that were having trouble getting rid of their inventory because the restaurants were not taking it anymore. Then the Salvation Army had a closed-down restaurant that uh, said, no, we can use your restaurant, a kitchen, to prepare meals. So we needed a little money for containers. And um, so now we've got uh, five different chefs coming in from various restaurants in Geneva. Uh, we have volunteer sous chefs who are helping them prepare the food. We have the discounted food that's coming in to help be prepared at the request of the, uh, the chefs. And we have volunteers that are helping pack the boxes and another group that is delivering 200 lunches a day to four different locations around the city in Geneva. So it has been really fantastic, and uh, we very much enjoy how it's going on, and it'll go on through the month of May. So uh, if all goes well and uh, our donations keep coming, it should just be absolutely wonderful for uh, a big group of the people that are uh, suffering right now. We're really thankful for Gary in Geneva and this story. Um, I love the story, how it, uh, so many people contributed to it. And also you get the feeling that it was really well done. Like these were high quality meals. And, and it also you know, took advantage of resources that you know, might have been thrown away. Um, so we, we also like to say many people doing small things together can make a big difference. And you can, you can hear that in, in Gary's story. Absolutely. Um, definitely a lot of kindness in that story. Mm. Um, and so coming back to that theme of kindness starts with me, um, what, what has been happening more, more generally during the pandemic? So not only on the Global Volunteer Day, but how have you seen that theme playing out um, generally in Serve the City? Yeah, I remember when the uh, when the pandemic crisis began. Um, we I think there was a short period of time where we all felt a little paralyzed. Uh, the needs are great, and then things that we normally do we can't do. Um, you know, we had to cancel projects, and 
I would just had to completely change. But then very quickly, I saw people began to adapt and to think creatively and to think, no, 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 kindness has got to find a way out. Like it has to be expressed. And of course, people's needs are uh, are even greater during this season. Um, so I, I've been so amazed to see the um, the effort, the persistence, the courage, and the creativity of volunteers all over the world. That sounds like a story that we heard from Cindy Hahn, the city leader of Serve the City Peninsula in southeastern Virginia in the United States. Serve the City Peninsula has responded to the COVID crisis by partnering with Newsom Bailey Projects to support their families that they do um, educational therapy with in the southeast community of Newport News. We both serve students at Newsom Park Elementary Schools. Serve City Peninsula has adopted that school. It's one of those um, Title I schools, very low income, very little parent support, very little support for the teachers. And we have put in a educational garden there as in one of our big volunteer weeks. Newsom Bailey Projects does the educational therapy with some of the students there at that school. This is John Crawley from the Newsom Bailey Project. We are a 501c3 uh, nonprofit organization. We are faith-based and our mission is to help struggling elementary school students in the east end of Newport News. We provide holistic uh, educational therapies, work with the families, and recreational and cultural activities, and we're just happy to do it. Cheryl Clapp is the Newsom Bailey Project uh, person there, and they were calling and asking her if there's any way that they could get food. The schools are supposed to hand out food for the children that get free lunches. However, it's very sad. They were handing out like Slim Jims and Cheez-Its. There was nothing nutritional value or nothing to keep these kids from going hungry. This is Cheryl Clapp, and I've been working with Newsom Bailey for many years. But the, the reason why partnering with uh, Serve the City right now is very important is because our families, uh, they live in a food desert. And so right now they are not able to get the very, very basics because the, the shelves are empty. So we're coming along and providing the much-needed food uh, to many of our families who don't even have transportation and um, unable to get to the places where there's, their children can get free lunches. The one grocery store that is in the area, of course, is like all the rest of our grocery stores, empty. And now they have all their children at home. So we are collecting food for those families. There's 25 families in all and packing the food and then having drivers take that down and deliver it to the children and their families. We're only serving 25 families, but that's 25 families that don't have transportation that we know, and some of them can't get out. They're bedridden, and one of the moms has cancer. One of the moms is pregnant with her other child, and so it's harder for them to get out in the community. They take buses to where they need to go to get groceries, and that's not available for them as well. My name's Christy Sutton, and I've been a volunteer for Serve the City for a couple years now. Today, we're delivering food and supplies to uh, families in the Newsom Bailey School District in this time of need, and it's just a privilege to serve, to help those that are in need, and to, to show our love um, through acts of kindness. And that's what Serve the City does, and that's what we're here to do, to serve and to help those today. Our Church Peninsula Community Chapel has allowed us to use their gym to 
store food. We have people donating food from Monday through Thursday, every day of the week. So on the Friday, volunteers come in and they pack those 25 um, boxes of food to be delivered. We have everything you can think of, fruits, vegetables, meats, staples that the families can use to make meals. And from there, we have several people lined up that come out and deliver the food. They'll call the families and then the families will come out to the vehicle and take the food back into the home. We're also creating a bag of kindness, like a sharing kindness bag so that the children that we serve will have the opportunity to take a bag of food over to their neighbor so that they can also share kindness with someone. I've been able to uh, help deliver food for a couple weeks now, and it's been such a joy to see the children run out to the car to gather these food items and how excited they are over a bag of bagels or some cereal. And it's been great to see the faces on the parents, just a, just a relief and just thankfulness that uh, we were bringing this food to their family. They just don't have means, many of them, to get to the store. And then money. Um, many of them just don't even have the money to feed their families. So I'm thankful personally. You know, I left there the other day and I was driving home just thanking God for allowing me this small opportunity um, to bear another's burdens. It's been really heartwarming to see people from all over the community pull together and partner just to be able to meet the needs of those most desperately in need and the poorest of the poor in our community. You know what I really liked about that story? is how not only uh, was it important to actually bring the food to the people who needed it the most, it was also how it was impacting the volunteers to be involved in that project. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. could really sense how, um, how it, was, it was meaningful for, for them as well. I'm curious, what for you stood out from the story? What was meaningful to you? Yes, yeah, I really I agree with what you said. Um, I loved the part where they not only served food, but they also included a bag of of, uh, of things that kids could then give away. Like they were inviting kids who received something from the volunteers to also then be kind and to be generous. And I love that because, you know, kindness starts with me. Who gets to be me? Like, is it is it only the, the people who have a six-figure income and, and have a college education? Everybody could be me. So I, I love that they were inviting kids to then just join join this kindness revolution. Yeah, I like that too. That kindness is uh, is in is found in everyone, no matter their their background mm -hmm, or mm -hmm, their age. Mm -hmm. um, and you really can see that in this story, there are people with real needs who couldn't get food any mm -hmm. other way, and yeah. that this was absolutely necessary yeah. to, um, even if it was just twenty five families. Those are twenty five families whose children are able to um, feel more secure yeah. and taken care of during a time of real crisis. Yeah, and as Cindy said, the, these are the poorest of the poor, and you know the poorest of the poor are everywhere because they are the poorest of the poor in my city. But classically, when you think about the poorest of the poor, your your mind goes to Africa, right? And uh, here in Europe and also in the U.S., we might feel like we're coming out of the pandemic, but there's other parts of the world, Latin America or, or Africa, where, I mean, they may just be entering it. Um, 
Yeah, thank you for mentioning that, um, because now we actually have a Global Volunteer Day report that we received from Janet Mwende in Nairobi, Kenya. Hi, Janet here from Nairobi. Yesterday, during the Global Volunteer Day, we were privileged to show kindness through donating face masks in a community health care clinic in Soweto Kayole slums. Soweto Kayole is one of the poorest informal settlements in Nairobi, and most of its dwellers earn a dollar or less in a day. With this little income, their priorities are food and rental bills. A face mask would come last in their list. Often, you will find patients who visit the clinic without face masks, which exposes the staff members of the clinic to coronavirus infection, especially during this season of COVID-19. Wow, it was a great honor to donate these face masks, which will be extended to those who visit the clinic without masks. At the end of our time with the members of staff and their leadership, the manager of the clinic thanked STC volunteers for thinking about them. They said they felt loved and cared for. And from the faces of the staff members, we noted that it is true, small acts of kindness can actually make a big difference. We are glad we did it. That's a beautiful story from Janet. And um, something she didn't tell us is uh, who made the masks. And, uh, and I know from a personal conversation with Janet that they were made by women who live in the Matari slums in Nairobi. And Matari is the second largest slum in Nairobi after Kibera. Um, some 500,000 people live there. And these, these ladies are, are the first volunteers of Serve the City Nairobi. Um, they, are, they are the poorest of the poor. And uh, yet in this project, they were the volunteers. Uh, they were the ones who made the masks. And uh, I just love that they were involved. It's so interesting that women who have so little are offering their time and their energy um, to volunteer to help others. What do you think that they're getting out of this? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, what I understand from Janet is that these women feel a sense of self-empowerment, that they feel, you know, just a, a kind of a their self-image um, growing, improving, um, a sense of beauty about themselves that they can contribute, like a, a sense of a growing sense of self-worth in the project, um, and and as Janet told me, no, nobody's ever asked these people to uh, to give something. You know, they've only asked these people what they want to receive. So it, apparently, it's been transformational. Wow, I think that's a really uh, beautiful, inspiring story. Mm -hmm. um, and staying in the continent of Africa, we actually have another Global Volunteer Day report. Uh, this one is from Amos Asuma Karikari, who leads Serve the City in Accra, Ghana. Hello, STC Accra, Ghana calling. On the Global Volunteer Day, we visited a special home for autistic children. And we donated food items and other provisions. We also donated a special hand washing, hand free device that will help the children wash their hands 
every time without touching anything to help them avoid COVID-19. We also helped the school in the beautification of their frontage by planting a lot of grass and other flowers. That was a beautiful day and we had about seven different groups which were all part of STC Accra participating, including the local community youth and the local church youth. I hope everybody enjoyed himself or herself and uh, we wish God bless us all to have another beautiful Global Volunteer Day next year. You know, there were two things about the story that I really liked. Um, one is just all the different groups that were involved mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. participating. Um, but the other one is how not only was time and energy spent on practical things like helping to create ways to wash hands without spreading the virus, mm -hmm. there was also the beautification project. Mm -hmm. And it's such a holistic view of our needs mm -hmm. to care for the physical needs, but also the aesthetic needs that we have. Mm, yeah, Amos sent the photos through, and it was just amazing to see people working together on these uh, projects. Um, actually, we all fell in love with Amos. I think when we first met him, he we uh, he came to the international forum in Dublin, and um, while we were waiting for our main speaker to arrive to talk about human trafficking, uh, who was stuck in traffic himself, uh, Amos stood up and he told us about um, initiatives that they have taken in, in Accra to help children who had been trafficked into some uh, fishing kind of work in, in lakes and they would they would lose their lives and, and how he rescued 30 or so five-year-old kids from, uh, from child slavery. Just beautiful, inspiring guy. And we love what Serve the City Accra is doing. Clearly, there are people in need of kindness everywhere. Mm. And uh, coming back to Europe, Peter DeWitt is one of the directors of Serve the City Paris, and he talked to us about their team's experience while he was in the middle of the lockdown. Hi everybody, I'm Peter DeWitt. I'm from Serve the City Paris. I am one of the directors here. I'm now in charge of the food distribution project, which has changed very much from our normal ways. Before we used to get food, free food from Pret-à-Manger, and four days a week we would go out and distribute it on the streets. We can't do that now. And I have been just so surprised at how quickly our volunteers have stepped up and said, yes, we want to help. Right now, we, I would say we would probably have 15 real dedicated people that are making food and helping out in that way. During this COVID-19 pandemic, our volunteers here with Serve the City Paris have stepped up their sandwich making and baking, donating and generous giving to the refugees and asylum seekers here in Paris in an unbelievable way. Each week I'm receiving donations up to 500 sandwiches to be delivered to Petit Dej in Stalingrad. It warms my heart to know that while people are in their homes, protecting the community from this virus, they're thinking of others and wanting to do more. Oh man, Ashley Hafer, she is, she is wonderful. She, she reaches out to a lot of people. And I think like every week, her and her gang are producing about 500 sandwiches, just them. And you know, I went out today because we had so many sandwiches and I went out today and 
it, it was crazy because there were groups of people from North Africa, from, you know, from Hungary, just running around in the streets doing nothing. And, and when I asked them for a sandwich, man, did they ever appreciate it? And I had boiled eggs and, and I think that was even more appreciated. People hadn't seen a boiled egg for a long time. So it, it's really cool that our group of people are, are still engaged. And but yeah, there's a lot of need out here still. Hey, my name is Shahlam. I'm from Iran. I ask asylum for inference. I love Sharam. He's from Iran. One of my duties is partnerships, and there's this association called Kabubu that works with sports and refugees. And we were asked to help feed refugees at a sports event, and I met Shaham, and we hit it off right away. Oh, his story is, is really difficult. He was demonstrating in Tehran when he was just 18 years old, and he got shot got shot in his hand. His hand is really, really damaged. He's had multiple surgeries. And he, he fled. And he now has been through six European countries. Every country has declined. And he's told me some stories where I'm going like, wow, uh, that happened to you? I, I'm surprised that you can still smile because he's one of the most happiest guys I know, although he has this very deep pain inside of him. Um, but now... He is hoping that France will accept him. And, and this process can take up to two years. So I'm really, really rooting for him. And I know uh, City for two years. And they support me. And they give us many food. For the last two years, we've been growing in a relationship. We go to the gym together. We, we ask him to help us too um, with serving the city, which he loves to do. And, you know, what, what is so neat about this new food program is that we've actually been able to find certain people here in the cities, refugees that really need help. And we do a grocery shopping for them. Some of them are once a week. Some of them are once a month. And Shaham didn't expect it at all. And now for coronavirus, they also help us for many, many positive things. And I never forget it. And I remember the day when one of our volunteers said, I have a car, can I can I help? And I said, can you go and visit this guy named Shaham and give him some bags of groceries? And I was on the phone with Shaham when this volunteer arrived. And Shaham's face was like, what? What's going on? And uh, he was so, so happy to receive groceries. And uh, I know that Sharam is is really going to be a world changer one day. Hi, everyone. My name is Philippa, and I'm a volunteer with Serve the City Paris. I am a musician living and working in Paris since a few years. You know, there are a lot of good people volunteering. And I think that it would be such a horrible thing if volunteers could not volunteer. They're saying, we want to help. What can we do? You know, giving is so uplifting to the human spirit. It's not getting, getting, getting. And so if we couldn't give, if we couldn't do something, I think we die inside. 
when the COVID-19 virus got us all staying at home and not being able to go out and participate in serve the city activities, um, I felt a bit lost and uh, I didn't know how to feel that I could help. And this is when Peter suggested I play some music. Uh, so in the end, I got my partner, uh, who is a cellist, on board with the project, and he was thrilled to be able to help. And we recorded two songs from Iran for a few refugee friends. I think the value of giving out from your heart is something that should be spoken of more and more. And deep down, I found that my identity is not wrapped up in a performance, but my identity is wrapped up in this thing called true self or love, so to speak, that when I'm giving out love, I'm actually living out my true self. When I do it out of a pure heart, pure love, when I'm serving people, I've discovered the joy is more lasting. This already made us uh, feel nice to play some music and to find out uh, the music of, of this country. Uh, but uh, the heartwarming messages that we received afterwards uh, just made us so happy. And it once again showed me how Sir the City connects people with each other. Uh, I am very grateful for this for myself, and I hope to be a part of another occasion of this connecting people with each other. Yeah, this is, this is what I think Sir the City International is all about. It's about serving without really wanting anything back. But what we get back is the satisfaction of knowing that you've lived out from your true self. I really enjoy that serving is coming from this place of a deeper heart, um, which also brings in this feeling of joy, um, and that clearly it's it's really bringing something to connect to this idea of true self um, in this story. And what else is interesting is that in the first part of the story, kindness was about meeting physical needs for groceries, but then in the in the last part, it was just playing music for someone. Um, do you think that this kind of kindness is uh, also necessary at a time like this? Yes, I think um, the point that Peter was making about love and about true self and about joy means that you have to put yourself into it. It's, it's as we often say in Serve the City, it's not transactional. It's not about giving a sandwich, but it, it's it putting yourself into the act of giving a sandwich. And that is what brings joy. And I often think of joy and peace as two indicators that we're in the right place if we're in, in the way that we're serving or in serving, that we feel a sense of joy and we, we give peace, we bring peace where we serve. And those are definitely qualities that we can all feel more of. Mm. Um, there's another story that we can listen to now that uh, Shannon Deal, our producer, interviewed um, Nicholas Dupre for. He's the city leader from Luxembourg, and their team came up with a creative solution for how a coronavirus problem in their city could be dealt with. Listen to this. My name is Nicolas. I um, serve the city leader here in Luxembourg City. It's 120,000 people, so that's, you know, it's capital, but it's rather small. But that's already 160 different uh, nationalities, so you can just travel knocking at your neighbor's doors and then also on the linguistic point of view. I mean, we have three official languages, so that's French, German, and Luxembourgish. 
which is kind of German dialect. And obviously English also is, is quite in, in use. And there's also a big community coming from, from Portugal. So that's really multilingual. That's what I really like also about uh, Luxembourg. That's about the uh, vitality and uh, the diversity of our city and uh, our, our little country. So, Nicholas, can you give me an example of one of your usual projects? Well, actually, here in uh, Luxembourg, we have yeah, different projects running on a regular basis. So we have, we have with asylum seekers, projects within the different shelters where we organize movie nights. So we, we sp- spend the whole evening with them uh, with a movie in French with some uh, popcorns, cakes and, and stuff. So uh, really great atmosphere there. So what adjustments did you guys decide to make with the COVID-19 outbreak? Yeah, obviously with the COVID-19 outbreak, we, we had to really reassess uh, the best way how to serve our communities. So we thought that's why we would put different projects on hold and, and try to encourage uh, our volunteers for more local solidarity with neighbors, family and, and so on. But um, definitely, what we didn't want is to, to, to leave our beneficiaries, so we wanted to keep in touch with them. And so we had to think the best way to keep in touch with them. How did that relate to the people that you had befriended at the asylum shelters? At the moment, with the lockdown, obviously that's already difficult for us. But we are still able to, to go out for a little jog, uh, sometimes time, or, you know, to, to go shopping. Um, when it's really needed. But uh, for, for people living in the shelters, that's a bit different because, you know, they are completely locked down at the moment. And we were in touch with some people li- living there. So I had a little discussion with Francisco, who lives in, uh, in one of the shelters. Got to know him through the movie Nice. Francisco, who's a filmmaker, journalist, who, who fled from Venezuela and living in one of these shelters. Being a, a filmmaker, obviously, that he was motivated to to help at that time and he even tried to give some courses or how to make movies to other people within shelter so he was describing how difficult it was to be locked down for the people of the shelter without having any possibility to go out but just to protect them and told me that people were really depressed there because uh, sometimes you know the language courses was the only activities they had during the week. So we definitely needed to do something for them. Hmm. So what ideas did that conversation spark for you? What did you decide to do for them? I was also thinking to my friend Zebre from Eritrea, who is really passionate about languages, you know, since he's living here in Europe. He has learned four different languages, English, German, French, and also Luxembourgish. So that kind of going to be really difficult for him to go through this lockdown without having this this course is, you know, there is so much uncertainty. They don't know what what the future will be made of. So that's really a great source of anxiety. So having all these activities, that can really think about something else. And that's how we, we came up with this idea of Portandem, so a language course online. What a great idea. How did you start the online language learning? We started with recruitment for different uh, volunteers. We created a platform where people could register and we send it to uh, our volunteer database. And in a in matter of less than 24 hours, we had already 50 people registered. So that's definitely a lot of, of people motivated. And then the process is a bit longer to match the asylum seekers because it's really based on the question of trust. So we know some of them, so that's, that's no problem at all. For some others, you need to go through a person of trust that could be an educator, a member of family, 
And that's how the contact starts. And, and, and then we start to match all volunteers based on the experience and uh, also the, the background uh, of the participants. So what do the courses look like? Is there some curriculum or what do you do? Basically, we really need to adapt to the person. We will have in front of us some people or beginners. So it's going to be more discussions, some short games. And uh, so some others could be a bit more challenging. So it really depends. We have some people who are 14 years old to 30-something. So the needs are really different and we need to adapt based on that. Oh, so it's not just an online class, it's like a one-on-one -on -one relationship between the volunteer and the student? So this is one-on-one. We want to have really a personal relation between all volunteer and the participants, the asylum seekers. So obviously, the city motto is, we know them by their needs, what if we knew them by name? And with our regular projects, there's some volunteers coming from time to time and Okay, there's a contact, but we wanted maybe to create something more here, to, to create a deeper connection between the two persons in the tandem and hope to create also a lasting connection, even post-crisis. So some volunteers at the moment are already speaking about having a meal all together at the end of this. So uh, personal relation is really important. So what is it that you hope for at the end of this crisis? There will be a before and an after this crisis, and uh, I hope for the best. For, for me, there is really a momentum at the moment to develop the culture of volunteering. There is such a solidarity spirit, and we need to work on that for the after crisis. We definitely think that we can work at the moment to have our cities and communities uh, more resilient. I'm really struck with how many people volunteered after just 24 hours. 50 people stood up and said, I want to volunteer to help teach these languages. It's amazing. It is. What's, yeah. uh, what stuck out for you? I love how in each of these stories we're hearing creativity, but the creativity finds its way to follow our values. You know, for instance, when Nicholas says, well, what kind, if we're going to teach languages, what kind of languages or how would we teach languages? Well, it would make sense to do this in a kind of a relational way, you know, in a one-on-one -on -one way, not just a, hey, whole bunch of people sign up for a course. And uh, no, but it's it's about the relationship. And, and as, as he said, we know them by their needs. What if we knew them by name? So I, I really I'm enjoying that in these stories. Yeah, it was great to hear this story from Nicholas, and I know his colleague, uh, Maria Elena, who helped him design the course, and she, you know, she's an interpreter, she has expertise in these things, and so I think this is also a good example of the way Serve the City likes to work, is that we're enthusiastic about new projects and new ideas, but we really want to do them in partnership with people who have the expertise so that things are offered really in a high-quality way, so I really appreciate Maria Elena's input in this. So our last Global Volunteer Day report is really unique. It's from Eric and Lauren Vagan, who are part of the Serve the City South Jersey leadership team in the United States. See what you think of their idea for creative kindness. Hey, Serve the City international friends. This is Eric and Lauren Vagan coming to you from South Jersey. Just wanted to give you a short uh, update on how our Global Volunteer Day went. Man, we were really encouraged and excited to spread kindness. And uh, like you, probably, we uh, spent a lot of time coming up with plans and then had to rearrange those plans these last few weeks. 
but where we so encouraged and excited to see over 75 volunteers from South Jersey and even different states spread kindness in real practical ways. One of those main ways is a thing we did called Kindness Bingo, and Lauren was kind of the brainchild on our version of that, so can you tell us about that? Sure. Um, we felt like we needed to come up with ways to encourage people to serve and to show kindness right from their own homes. So we basically just made a bingo board with 25 um, ways to serve. It could be as simple as writing a note to your mail carrier um, or chalking your driveway with encouraging messages um, or sending some donations to some nonprofits. So tried to come up with a variety of ways for people to serve so that people with various interests, needs, resources could all participate. We encouraged families to try to get a bingo on their bingo card um, or to help us get a bingo as an organization throughout the day by checking in on social media. Listen, I'm so grateful to be a part of this global movement. And uh, i got to tell you, a lot of new friends are excited to jump on with us here and be a part of this. So thank you so much and uh, love hearing the stories from around the world. loved this idea of having a bingo card to encourage people to serve and in simple but beautiful ways. Um, really a cool story. Yeah, I got to tell you, that idea was an instant hit. As soon as Eric shared it with other Serve the City leaders, everybody wanted a copy of it and imagined using it in their own cities. So we've talked about this theme that Serve the City has had for this year of kindness starts with me. And we started to see exactly how it took place in the first half of the year. Um, what do you see for the rest of 2020? Yeah, I feel like we've almost added some words to the theme. You know, kindness starts with me no matter what. Kindness starts with me even during a coronavirus pandemic. Kindness starts with me in creative ways. It's, it's just like a river that's got to find its way and express itself and care for people who are, who are most vulnerable in our cities. And, uh, you know, we're now recording this just, uh, just a couple weeks after the death of George Floyd. And we're seeing um, many, many people all over the world just standing up and saying, we have got to root out racism you know, from our very souls and from our cities, and we need uh, transformation. And and ultimately, it is transformation in relationships that we're looking for. So when we say cross the line and serve the city, like this is what we mean. Let's look at people who are different from us and and love them deeply and love them kindly. And there's no place where kindness cannot exist, hmm. um, where kindness can be born in any person of any age, of any background. Hmm. It's just about planting that seed and trusting that over time with hmm. care, we can water and mm -hmm. grow it into something that spreads, um, spreads around the world. Mm -hmm. So is this the last episode for the season? Yes. I am sorry to say this is the last episode. We had originally announced that our last episode would be in Pristina, Kosovo, but because of the pandemic, the episode will come out in our next season. All right. Well, so when does the next season start? What can we expect? Thank you for asking. The new season will officially launch in September 2020. But if that seems like a long time away from now, we're actually going to release a couple of short bonus episodes during the summer, so it won't be too long until you've heard from us again. 
Well, great. Well, thank you, Ani, so much. And thank you to the team for your work this season. It's been amazing. And we really look forward to the next one. Great. Me too. Thank you for joining us today on Serving Stories. I have been your host, Ani Deal. If you like our podcast, please subscribe, rate, comment, and share our stories with all of your friends. Serving Stories was written and produced by Shannon Deal. Music and technical production by Parker Deal. Designed by Jeremy Malingro. A special thanks to all the Serve the City leaders and volunteers in so many places around the world who sent us the stories for today. Season two starts next September, but keep a lookout for our bonus episodes that are coming your way this summer. If you want to find out more about Serve the City and how to get involved in a project near you, go to servethecity.net. Keep on serving and sharing your stories.